Hey guys, it is officially 2021. Who is so excited for a new year? I know I love the beginning of new seasons. That's always been new school years, new calendar years, new fiscal years. I love looking at a fresh start and thinking, how can things change? And really just feeling the lightness of hope and the anticipation of improvement. I wanted to, and on that theme, I wanted to bring you guys today a podcast episode all about why you should invest in your body and in your health. I have found that very few people actually talk about this and what we have ended up being told as a culture through commercials, through our doctors, is that we shouldn't have to pay anything for our health. It should all be covered by insurance. Unfortunately, this mindset is not doing us favors. It didn't do me any favors in my own health, and it hasn't done favors for when we look at the just general progression of society, it hasn't done anyone favors in that And in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about a lot of different things from the mindset of the benefit of investing in your health to why and how insurance got developed and why it doesn't really work the way we want it to and what it means and how you can find the right person to help you with your health and maybe if it's the right time or not. I'm really, really excited for today's episode. It is something that I love to talk about and honestly, I'm talk about with even my husband all the time. So I'm so excited to share with you my story today and the story of others, as well as just some historical facts. Are you guys ready? Let's get rolling. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel healthy and vibrant again by finding the root cause of our gut health problems. My name's Allison Jordan, marathon runner, functional medicine practitioner, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of the Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for life. If you're ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. Thank you for listening to the Better Belly Podcast. Just a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make changes. All right, guys. So for today's episode, I wanted to start off with a analogy that I commonly use with, honestly, probably just myself, but sometimes clients that I'm talking to or friends that I'm talking to when they come to me and they're saying, hey, I'm having a health problem. Um, I know you don't specialize in this, but like, give me your thoughts on it. And so I end up telling people a lot this interesting analogy, which is if they say, hey, I, I went to an acupuncturist or I went to a functional medicine practitioner, I went to a chiropractor, and they gave me this bill, this expected cost of their services to get me X result. And it's, you know, I'd say often when they're really, when they're really hesitant about paying for something, it's in the $1,000 range to maybe $4,000 range. And I'll look at them and I say, have you ever spent that much on a house? Have you ever spent that much on a couch? Have you ever spent that much on a car? And they'll kind of sit there and, you know, depending on their life stage, maybe they're like, I've never bought a house or a couch, you know, maybe they've always bought a cheap $100 couch or something, which I've totally, totally been there, totally done that, guys. But they're like, oh, yeah, I guess with my car, I spent $3,000 or with my, you know, and that thing and my car serves me, right? It gets me to work. It gets me to my hobbies. It gets me to go and socialize at restaurants, you know, back when we could do that. Um, or, or yeah, I have spent that much on an apartment to live in monthly or on my mortgage, or I've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in a house. And so, um, and then of course, for some people in their life stage, um, if they have had the income or they, they've just lived long enough, they're like, oh, totally. I've spent $3,000 on a new couch. Sure. And we don't balk at the idea of buying a couch or an oven or a car or a house and spending thousands of dollars on this thing. 
the unique thing then I say is, well, what if that couch breaks? What do, what do you do? What if your car just like totally breaks? What do you do? If your if your house burns down, what happens? Um, or if you if you just don't like your house, if you get too big for your house because your family's growing or something, well, you're like, oh, I buy a new one. I'm like, can you buy a new body? Can you buy a new body? Can you just replace it? You're like, oh, it's not working the way it used to, or it's it's just not as strong as it used to be. It doesn't have the get up and go. It's, oh, the windows are getting dirty or whatever it is. It's, can you buy a new body? And the answer is no. Like, oh, that is the first thing that I want you guys to be thinking about as we're talking through this episode. It's the first place I always go when I'm thinking about the value of my own body. And when I'm considering investing in um, a supplement and a exercise, someone who's going to help me like do yoga or or in equipment, maybe to exercise or shoes to go running in or um, or a health specialist, which is really when when numbers start getting a little bit bigger is someone who is a specialist and says, I know how to do acupuncture. I know how to, to fix spines. I know how to heal a gut. And those people, those services, they take a lot more knowledge and they just take a lot more time to execute and their price is higher. And so when you bring this back, um, I want to share this a little little something personal. So uh, actually two, two days ago, my husband and I sat down because his company recently rolled out uh, opportunity to have an FSA account. So that stands for flexible spending account. And in America, um, that is, so if you're listening outside of the America, out of America, don't know quite what your rules are, but it's an account that you can have where you can put in money money from your employer pre-tax. So by the time you get paid in your bank account um, and, and you see money visibly in your bank account for if you're a W-2 employee, all your taxes have been taken out. Um, and it's and it's a big chunk. But if you do something that is pre-tax, that means that um, if you put 100 or 200 or however much per pay period from what your employer is giving you and you put it into that flexible spending account, that account is specifically for health-related spending. Um, it's really, really cool, guys. Um, if you are employed and you don't know if your employer offers an FSA or um, the, the other option being something called an HSA, which is called a health savings account, they are amazing. They are just really good development in, in insurance and in, in health insurance. Um, but his company started to offer an FSA. And I personally would prefer an HSA if you have that option. The only negative, the main negative downside of having an HSA is you need something called a high deductible plan, means you have to pay more upfront. So like you need to pay um, five thousand dollars. It probably depends on the on the state. I think that the federal regulation for a high deductible plan it depends on if you're single or if you have a family. I think the last time I saw it, it was twenty five hundred um, for a single, maybe five thousand for a family. But don't quote me on that, guys. Versus a low deductible plan is going to be something where you pay more monthly for your insurance. But if you have something happen to you and you need to pay for a surgery on your leg or surgery usually something surgical or pharmaceutical, you only have to pay maybe $500 maximum and the insurance will cover the rest. But unfortunately, those type of plans also have very expensive monthly premiums, which is how much you're paying for the insurance. Guys wasn't planning on this being an insurance talk, but as a kind of to refresh on the money that we're already spending, because the truth is, guys, when we're talking about investing in our health, we're always spending money on our health. Like we, and I'm not talking about just the food you buy. I'm talking about if you have insurance. Um, and of course, there are lots of people maybe in the world, um, especially, I mean, in America, and it's a big topic in general, which we're not going to be covering fully, that yes, some people can't offer uh, or afford to for paid insurance. And that's why you have government and stuff. But if you are an employee, um, most likely a portion of your paycheck is being sent to pay for insurance so that you actually can have, like you are, it's coming out of your pocket. You just don't really ever quite see it because the money that hits your bank account, it's already been paid for at that point. And so, um, that being said, FSAs are cool. It's pre-tax, so you don't get taxed as harshly when you have this. And then you can use it to pay for health expenses. Uh, there's a there's actually an article you can read on FSAs developed by the federal government, and it'll show you everything that it can cover. And so my husband and I were looking over it. It, it covers acupuncture. It covers hydrotherapy. I was surprised to see that in there. It covers chiropractic care. And so you want to go and see a chiropractor, but you don't have... Um, 
maybe the chiropractor doesn't accept insurance or maybe they don't accept your insurance, but you have an FSA, you can say, I will pay you. And it's kind of like having a debit card where you have money in it already. And you say, chiropractor, I will pay you money with this account and it's not coming out of pocket and it's pre-tax and I can only use it for health services. It's really amazing. So my husband and I were talking about how much do we want to put in it? Do we want to max it out? Because with an FSA, opposed to the HSA, the health savings account, with the flexible spending account, you can have a max amount in it um, that you can use per year uh, for, I don't, I don't know if this is across every state, but for our state and what we're looking at, we had 2700 That's what we could do. And so 2700 is like, do we want to do we want to fill our whole card for 2700 um, this year of 2020? Do we want to do less? Um, what do we want to do? And then with an HSA, I believe there's no limit, guys, again, but it's it's significantly more HSAs roll over year after year. FSAs don't have very much rollover. You can roll over a certain amount of money. And then with an HSA, um, you can actually, it can actually be converted into even something like a 401k. They're freaking gold, guys. If you can get an HSA, I strongly recommend it personally. There might be some reasons to not do an HSA. Um, but even if it comes with that high deductible plan, you can still use your HSA to pay for all those high deductible costs. And then it really, really smooths out. So I basically was nerding out at this list that I was reading of all these things that my FSA could cover. Um, and it couldn't cover everything. It can't doesn't cover daily vitamins. I was like, that's kind of wished it did. But I was like, okay, honey, we should max this out. First off, we're planning on giving birth to a kid next year. So there's going to be some costs associated with that. Secondly, like I do get acupuncture. Um, I have gotten chiropractic care before. My Both my husband and I get chiropractic care. And so we're like, yes, we're planning on making some expenses. Let's have it all be all pre-tax. This is going to be a really great way for us to just be investing and intentionally saving in a place where we're not going to pull from it because like, oh, well, we really want to buy a couch. <laughs> to bring the couch back in guys. Um, and we, it's really just a safe way. So I personally get so excited when I consider all the different ways I get to invest in my body. Um, I know that I definitely didn't feel that early on. Honestly, I'm thinking three years ago, five years, definitely at five years ago, it was scary to imagine investing in my health. I think that parts of that was, what if I invest in the wrong place? What if I invest in someone who doesn't get me results? It was also uncomfortable because I was still in the mindset of, well, my insurance should cover everything. If I'm sick, that should be covered. Unfortunately, and here's where I wanted to bring some history in for you all, because history, it can give us perspective on why we live in the world we currently live in. So why does insurance work the way it works? As in, um, you go to the doctor and it covers the doctor, but maybe only a certain portion. That's probably more complicated. Or you can, you can get a surgery in pharmaceuticals for free, but you can't get um, physical therapy or maybe there's just certain things that you have restrictions on. You can't go see a functional medicine practitioner. That's what I am. I'm a little sensitive. I'm a little salty about this, but here's a couple of things going on. First off, where did health benefits come from? Because they are new as of the last hundred years, at least in America. Don't know about every other country, but health insurance being a benefit from employers was very, very new. Um, so what happened is in World War II, this is very interesting history. I hope you guys are enjoying nerding out with me. In World War II, there was a wage freeze. So the government said you cannot increase people's wages. And so there was a lot of reasons for that, but there were still companies that were trying to attract top talent and were still trying to grow and they still had money even if other people didn't. And so what those companies did is they added something called benefits. And they said, if you work for us, cannot increase your wages, but we can cover the cost of your dental care, the cost of your eye care, and the cost of your medical care. Um, insurance companies, which I'm not fully aware of how they existed or how much they existed beforehand, um, they partner with employers and said, hey, we'll give you special packages. It'll be extra cheap if you give us all, you know, a 100,000 of your employees. Um, the insurance companies benefit from having 100,000 employees just tacked on real easy. They didn't have to work very very hard at all to get people suddenly paying the monthly premiums and then the the employer benefits because they get a nice cheaper uh, deal 
for each employee. And then the employee feels great because they got benefits. So that's one thing that happened. And then the other thing is, is that how insurance companies work. So insurance companies pre-negotiate what they are willing to cover based off of math. So they say how many heart surgeries got done across the U.S. or in this region of this state or in this city? How many heart surgeries are done? And they have to calculate risk. What's the likelihood that someone in this company is going to need a heart surgery and we're going to have to pay for it? So they pre-negotiate what they're willing to cover, not what you need, but a price that they predetermine with a doctor or a provider for what they'll give them. So doctor, I'll give you $20,000 for seeing this client. Your well-being is not a part of their calculation. They also don't really get paid for getting results, they get paid for codes. So the doctor gives you a code and the code says this person has um, diabetes or this person has, they give you a diagnosis. And when they diagnose you, they get paid. They get paid for your diagnosis. You may have heard that there was actually, and there's some controversy with COVID to offset the cost of COVID and how hospitals aren't able to do other more lucrative procedures because of having to shut them down because of having COVID patients in the building, insurance and the government kind of was like, okay, we'll just pay you more for a COVID code. And if you don't have a COVID code, we treat you worse because we need to make money. Money still is actually driving everything. It's not maybe your money, um, but it's affecting the quality of care you're getting. It's affecting the attention you get, the number of minutes you spend with the doctor, your options for care, um, usually only being surgery or pharmaceuticals when you go through the insurance route, because insurance can calculate what those things do. There's also Another thing that impacts why you can't get supplements as much like herbs and and natural supplements paid for by insurance while you can a pharmaceutical or a drug has to do with how the FDA regulates medicine. So basically, they can't regulate anything made by Mother Earth. And that actually, the first time that was told to me, I was like, that actually makes sense. Like, you can't regulate lavender. You can't be like, this lavender is going to kill you or not. I'm like, it's made by the earth. And people use lavender to help them sleep, to be relaxed, to calm down. It's like used for anxiety. And it's also used as perfume, like wide array. Um, And so everything from lavender to something like magnesium citrate, which is a form of magnesium that can be help people in something like constipation. It's not a laxative, but it's a mineral that people can be deficient in that can be aggravating a problem of constipation. That's not covered, but sometimes a laxative actually will be. And so um, because the laxative was made by a pharmaceutical company, uh, even though it's over the counter, it's covered. And so it can be, it kind of depends on what's going on. But basically what happens is that anything made by Mother Earth, which um, just anything made by the earth, you can't make money on because you can't patent it. I can't be like, well, I made lavender. But you can say, I made penicillin. And we love penicillin, not knocking penicillin, but it dis incentivizes companies and medical companies, so like pharmaceutical companies, providers, and insurance companies to cover natural remedies. And natural remedies ended up getting this really bad name. Um, It actually started earlier, and it's not something I'm going to cover in this episode, but it started earlier with Rockefeller and how he realized that you could use oil to create pharmaceuticals. And so uh, he was very incentivized. He ended up changing and lobbying for changing how medicine is viewed and what medical students learned. And doctors during the time of Rockefeller making all these changes in the early 1900s, um, doctors who really held on to like, no diet makes people healthy or herbs can make people healthy. Um, Doctors who held on to this were really laughed out of the room, really pushed down and oppressed by society because they weren't getting with the times. And so that medicine became known as alternative. And then you had this like higher form that was all synthetic and man-made and better. Um, Yes, I'm so glad for penicillin, but there's some things you can do with man-made stuff that's incredible. And there's other things you do with man-made stuff that is really harmful. And so I do want to talk a little about penicillin real quick because it makes a good transition into what the comparison between how hospitals and doctors think of illness um, and what they're really best for and how to think of your insurance. This is my opinion. You can choose to think of your insurance however you want, but with the education that I've been able to find on the history of things and just in my personal experience of seeing my health, seeing my client's health um, improve or not improve via different routes um, that they pursue 
of conventional versus alternative medicine, there's something to really consider. So first off, penicillin is great for something called an acute illness. An acute illness is something that um, happens for a short period of time. Um, It's usually quite intense. It's a time-bound problem. So penicillin can cure pneumonia, scarlet fever. It's an antibiotic, and it was really, really instrumental, became just explosively important in World War II. Um, It was accidentally developed. It was weird. A culture was left out when a laboratory um, scientist left for a two-week vacation. And when he came back, he realized that he had all this um, staph uh, infection cultures out, and one of them didn't have staph. And he realized that there was there was a culture that was growing penicillin. Um, and so they ended up using a World War II and kept soldiers from dying from infections from wounds. So gunshots, knife cuts, like all these different things that happen in battle. They're living in mud. Um, World War II is not a beautiful time and place. It's a very acute problem. And so a lot of us, we get, we've gotten pneumonia, we've gotten different stuff and we get better. It's a short term. It's a one-time thing. And most of us also aren't walking around getting bullet wounds, needing to be not infected on a war front. Um, It's just a much more specialized problem, specialized time. But more and more, what we are seeing in America is chronic illnesses. So chronic illnesses is something it's long-term. It can be low-grade or high-grade intensity. So something that's like, just like, wow, I always feel fatigued and I'm getting foggy-headed. Not Maybe not even quite diagnosable. Um, you can also have high-grade intensity, fibromyalgia, Crohn's disease, um, autoimmune diseases, uh, diabetes. These are all just things that can just go on. And they're time unbound. They just go on and on and on. There's no one pill cure. Penicillin was amazing because it was one pill, boom, like healed. Like, that's amazing. And it was saving people's lives. So important. But penicillin can't cure IBS. It can't cure Crohn's disease. And still, we're trying to cure these things. We're trying to cure a lot of our problems, SIBO and stuff, with just antibiotics. And the question is, why did you get SIBO? Why did you get candida? What made your body set up to get this when maybe the five people in your family or the other people in your in your building aren't getting it. When when one person gets COVID and everybody else gets it, you know it's a contagious disease. But these chronic illnesses, they're usually not contagious. You can't catch diabetes. Maybe if you're like born from someone who has it, there's like the genetic factor. Um, or if you have a certain lifestyle that supports that developing, that can happen, but you don't like catch it like you can COVID. It's, it's a chronic thing. And so the way that you deal with something that's chronic is not the way that a hospital is set up where a hospital, you go there because you're like, I'm dying from pneumonia or whatever. Like I need a surgery. I need a heart surgery. You need to address it through lifestyle, supplements, therapies like acupuncture, myofascial release, craniosacral therapy, chiropractic care. Maybe you can do meditation, counseling, saunas to help you detox. There's all these different supplemental support systems, but insurance was never built to deal with them. Insurance never wanted to. Insurance almost will never do that. And that's why, you know, when you think of HSAs and FSAs, these kind of little cards that get filled with money through pre-tax payments um, from your employer, they're amazing because it's a way to fill in the gaps of what insurance isn't covering. One other note about insurance, um, when when we're just thinking about how does insurance work, how does medical insurance work, like why doesn't it cover what I want it to cover, why does it feel limited, why am I constantly coming up against this problem of having to pay something out of pocket? Should I pay it out of pocket? Should I invest in my health? Um, The other thing that I want that I've personally thought about, I've shared it with other people when they're like, ah, I don't know, should I invest this money? Yes, invest it with somebody who you think is going to get you results. Look around, like look at five different chiropractors. I did that and I found an amazing person. I sent everyone I know to him. who's local to me because he gets good results. So that does matter. But ultimately, like thinking about, okay, aside from finding someone good, let's assume whoever you've chosen is going to make you better. If you're still reluctant to pay money um, and you're kind of maybe salty that your insurance isn't covering, well, why is that? So I want you to think about your car real quick. So you have car insurance. I think it's actually, you can't drive a car without car insurance, something like that. Like, like you have to have car insurance, right? (laughs) Um, 
So you have car insurance and your car insurance, you know, comes in varying degrees of buffness. Some some car insurance do all sorts of fancy things. Some of it's very minimal. Um, Some things will cover hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't know if that's true. And some will cover maybe not as many expenses. But when you have a car, you don't use your car insurance for gas. You don't use it for oil changes. You don't use it for fluid like being filled with your windshield wiper fluid for replacing your air filters, for getting new or better tires. You do all those things to have a healthy and a safe car, but your insurance is not responsible for covering them. And honestly, when I first started paying for all those things for my car, wasn't super thrilled. I'm like, well, dang, there goes a couple hundred dollars just to get an oil change and some, you know, maybe you need new transmission fluid. That's a very, very maintenance thing, but it costs money, man. Um, And so... We actually had to recently do that with my husband's car. I was like, oh, new transmission fluid. And so your car insurance is not meant for the daily. It's not meant for something long-term to have a really, a car that maybe will last longer. Because if you don't do those things, your car will keep running. It just won't run as long. And car insurance is meant for the catastrophic. It's meant for a hailstorm or a total car from a car accident. And maybe cover your butt when you injure someone else's car. Um, It's meant to cover the $10,000 to $100,000 bill from ever touching you. Before that point, you are paying hundreds or thousands of dollars on your car, um, depending on the year. Maybe some years we don't pay a lot on our car. We're like, wow, it's running smoothly. Other years, it's like, wow, everything's breaking. It's actually been one of those years for my husband and I with our cars. Like, really? (laughs) And so um, we want our cars to keep running and we just say, and we actually want them to run very well. And so we had a savings account that's specifically for our car. And we're like, oh, we had a $1,600 car cost come up and and we searched around and everyone gave us about the same quote and about the same diagnosis. And we're like, oh, I guess we have to pay this money. And so uh, we can't have our car's brakes sort of working or the engine sort of working. It has to work like very well. And insurance doesn't care about that. Um, So it really does have to be about us taking on that mental responsibility and preparation for that. So similarly, we really want to be thinking about our bodies in the same way. Insurance is for the catastrophic, got in a car accident, need a surgery, something happened, something very intense. And it's meant for those acute short-term problems, but it's not meant for the chronic ongoing daily needs of your car slash your body. We are so used to our bodies taking care of us. And Not everyone, but a lot of people from childhood up until their 20s either don't have very strong awareness of how their body is or isn't working and or it just it's just young enough that you can stay up late studying or uh, you can work through the night to catch up on a project for work and it doesn't really bother you. But then suddenly maybe you're getting aches and pains or you're you're foggy headed or your gut doesn't feel great. And you're like, oh my gosh, where did this come from? We we're so used to our bodies normally taking care of us and our bodies compensate so much when we spike our blood sugar from certain foods, when we don't have time to exercise, when we are exposed to mold and exhaust and heavy metals and infections and car accidents. Our bodies are always compensating. They're so loving towards us. And then it comes a point in a day where they can't compensate in a certain area where you're like, oh, I can't eat the food I want to, or oh. And then you know, the gut's my specialty or like, oh, I'm getting really horrible PMS symptoms. And the doctors are just like throwing pharmaceuticals over it where it's like, no, no, no. Why are your hormones imbalanced? It's common to have a painful PMS. It's not normal. It only happens when you have imbalance. Guys, it only happens when there's imbalance. If your estrogen's at a light, right level and your progesterone's at a right level and your testosterone's at a right level and your metabolites are at a right level, like if your cortisol and your insulin, if all that's good, you're not going to have PMS problems. And I've had that. And so um, we really want to consider also side note, sometimes you can have painful periods from a magnesium deficiency has to do with our muscles being able to contract. Um, And so some women have actually found that their hormones were pretty balanced, but when they um, took magnesium supplement that their periods got way more way gentler, honestly. It's just totally incredible. So side note about supplements. Yeah, you don't need And you really shouldn't need a pill to fix your skin or to fix your gut. And actually pills, the pill, the birth control pill is really bad for your gut. Um, Side note, that's a story for another time. And so we don't want to wait 
until insurance will cover for the surgery or the pharmaceutical. When you wait until then, you have waited for the catastrophe to happen. You didn't change your oil. You didn't look at the lights on your dashboard. Um, One of the things doctors aren't doing for us as well is teaching us, what are the lights on our dashboard? Disease is a process. It doesn't just happen one day. I mean, some things, maybe if you get exposed to COVID, that's a sudden acute thing. But Chronic illnesses are a process. They slowly develop over time. They worsen over time. They get aggravated over time. And so um, we want to become aware of the small things and not get, unfortunately, devalidated, which a lot of doctors devalidate. I mean, like, oh, you're just being sensitive. Your stomach's fine. We did all these tests and there's we're not seeing any problems. I'm like, well, did you do the right tests? Did you do helpful tests? And so that's what really alternative medicine, anybody who who does other types of medicine, they think differently. They really listen to your symptoms and they're not bound by insurance. And so they're not just trying to write you a code and get you out the door because they have to see someone else or because they just need to make the money and give it to the insurance company. Like they really, really care. And so when you invest in your health, it is a totally different experience. I mean, it's a totally different experience. Um, I had a client come recently to me. Uh, she was on the low FODMAP diet. A lot of my clients either have been in the past or are currently on the low FODMAP diet. With her, she wasn't getting any results. She I mean, had crazy bloating. I mean, it was visible, palpable how bad her bloating was. She was very, she couldn't sleep through the night, tired all the time, just like really miserable. Um, we did some lab testing on her and found out she had candida. Well, her doctors hadn't done these tests. And so I'm like, oh, well, you don't need to be on a low FODMAP diet. You need to be on a low carb diet because candida loves sugar and carbs, anything that's easily digestible. So you need to be on a diet, at least for a short term, to starve the candida just eating mainly proteins and fats. So it's essentially a keto diet. She also had H. pylori or a bacteria that hangs out in the stomach and it was overgrown. And when I saw that, I said, well, Honestly, candida, it's a yeast, and yeast isn't a very strong, it's not a particularly strong bug. So if you have yeast overgrowth, you're probably something else that is enabling it. Well, you have H. pylori. H. pylori, first off, it's a much stronger bug. And second off, it decreases the amount of acid in your stomach. So when you eat food, um, you're not breaking it down as well, and it ends up in your gut in a more whole form. So the, the protein's not broken down as much, the carbs not broken down as much, the fat, and so... Um, it gets into your stomach and whatever bacteria or yeast is in your stomach is getting this extremely raw form of food and it's overfeeding and then it multiplies and you can't handle it. So I'm like, so what we need to do is we need to, we need to starve your candida temporarily. We need to kill your H. pylori. We need to make sure your acid levels are then high enough and your acid level should ensure um, that your candida doesn't come back. Wow. Very, very different than what her doctors had done before. She'd already had a colonoscopy. She'd already had an endoscopy. She had a couple other tests done. I think she had a uh, gluten sensitivity test. So celiac disease test that came back negative. But no one looked at it. I mean, and it was a relatively simple, elegant solution. We put her on some supplements, did a little diet change, but it was relevant to where she was at. And so when you invest in your health, and that might be a supplement, but when you invest in a in a specialist, your specialist is get you to your result faster. That is their job. It's speed, it's accuracy, it's knowing not just what's going on, but how to fix it. And so another interesting thing here is that, guys, there's a 50% recurrence of SIBO in patients that have SIBO, 50%, which is suggesting that the root cause is not being dealt with in these clients. And like I was saying with candida, it can come up if you have low acids. That's the same with SIBO. Why are people having low acid? Is it because they're on an acid reducer? Well, why are they having acid reflux? There's several causes to that, which actually includes low acid. Having a low acid stomach can actually cause acid reflux crazy. People who have low acid in their stomach are more likely to be anemic because you need acid in your stomach. It's cool and complicated. And also just something that isn't talked about, the same molecule or the same the same cells that create acid in your stomach also helps you break down and process B12 and actually create B12 in your body, which you need to also process iron and get it into your bloodstream. So you're not 
anemic. And so even when you're taking iron supplements, if you don't have the right amount of acid and activation of those cells in the stomach lining, um, and H. pylori also really irritates and can damage your stomach lining, you're not getting enough B12, which people are getting B12 shots because they're trying to get, B12 is really fantastic for your energy levels and your mood especially. And then of course the iron aspect of it. So it's like, we want to deal with the root cause. We want to figure out what's going on. And so instead of just taking a breath test and be like, oh, you have SIBO. It's like, well, why do you have SIBO? Is it a hormone-related thing? Do you have PCOS at the same time? Do you have anything else going on in your stomach? Do you have a parasite that's um, – parasites are even bigger than SIBO in, in some ways. So why do you have SIBO? We don't want you on some crazy low FODMAP diet for the rest of your life because you have SIBO and because it keeps recurring. Do you have a vagus nerve impingement? Do you have um, chronic stress? And that could be internal. It could be physical. It could be emotional. There's lots of forms of stress. And so – we need to investigate in your health. When you hire somebody to help you, and I'm not a chiropractor, but like a chiropractor, they investigate, why is your back in pain? Um, I used to have people come to me and they'd say, my back hurts, give me a back massage. And I'm like, well, let's step back a few steps. Tell me more about your health history. And I'd say eh, at least 50%, but honestly, probably higher, somewhere around 60 to 70% of clients Actually, their low back pain was being caused by GI dysfunction. Because you have a structure in your body, um, your small intestines, which you guys probably have heard of before, it has a, an anchor called your mesenteric root, and it anchors to the back of your abdominal wall, which is essentially your spine. So if that's irritated, inflamed, you're getting bloating, there's an infection, whatever, if that's inflamed, your back is going to hurt. I was a gymnast. I was extremely flexible and my back hurt all the time from like 2015 to 2017. It was because I had GI problems, right? Getting a massage, even getting chiropractic care was not going to fix that. That's not why I went to chiropractic care, had a neck problem. It was actually a neck problem. Praise God. <laughs> um, and he fixed that. So, um, when you when you hire someone, when you invest in somebody else, because I know it can be so tempting, and I I did this too, and I'm not saying don't learn, learning's great, but when you just go to a blog, when you read a book, when you do all these things, we have so much information at our fingertips, and you can try a million things, and if you don't try either maybe the right combination of things, if my client was on a um, keto diet, you actually, and wasn't killing her H. pylori, and also wasn't taking... I recommend certain supplements to kill that candida. Um, you want to you starve it and you want to kill it, right? <laughs> like she's not going to get better. She needs like the right amount of information to stimulate the right action to actually get long-term results, not just like generally helpful things. And so really like that person, that specialist you're working with, that, that healthcare provider, they are there to be your friend. They're there to get you real results. They're there to be the brain that works through when you have a problem and, and you don't know why you're having XYZ symptoms. They're also there to see how connected your symptoms are. I commonly have people come to me for their gut, but they also have hormone stuff going on. I'm like, did you know the two are related? And I'm like, oh, no. And I have friends who are hormone specialists and, and they love talking about hormones and people will come to them with hormone problems and they'll say, oh, you also have gut problems. Did you know the two are connected? So it's kind of funny how that works. But I want to address one other thing that I heard, I know I've felt and I know is going on when we're, when we're concerned about investing in our health. And one is, is what if I, and I've already addressed it actually a little, or at least I brought it up, that what if I pay someone? What if I invest and it doesn't go well? What if I invest and this person doesn't get me the results I want or doesn't get me as far as I was hoping? There's a couple things to think about. First off, feel free to do your research. Talk to multiple people, um, get lots of different opinions. Honestly, opinions are going to differ and they're really, really going to differ if you are talking to someone from conventional care versus um, alternative care really differ. So expect that. Expect almost no one to agree. I don't get a lot of agreement when clients tell me um, what their doctor thinks is going on. I'm like, well, that's fine. Um, they haven't been able to help you yet. But <laughs> you could talk to multiple people. You could read blog posts and, and kind of compare stuff. But also realize like you also, I've noticed that when I've gotten some of my best results is when I've been humble. When I've said, okay, chiropractor, I'm going to pay you these $2,000. Um, but I did my research and I'm just going to trust your knowledge base and your experience and I'm going to give you time because 
I mean, it, I didn't feel immediately better. It wasn't like he cracked me. I was like, oh my gosh, it's a miracle. I mean, I had to change some stuff. I had to strengthen my muscles. I had to stretch certain ligaments. Ow, that hurt. And some of my process was actually painful in helping my body basically undo what I had done to it. Poor body. And I gave him time. And with enough time, we had incredible results. It was so, so worth it. I think that a lot of times I have clients come to me and they said they can think of all the times where they invested time, energy, or money, or all of the above in something and they didn't get better. But I also want to encourage you to think about the times where you did invest in something, even something maybe relatively small, and it did help. Think about the time you invested in a yoga class, the time and the money, and you bought it for a semester and think about how it improved your mood or improved your strength, your flexibility, your sleep, your anxiety. Those are all things that yoga is known to help improve in people. Or maybe you invested in a healthier food regimen or certain certain organic foods um, and it improved your energy levels, your focus, your clarity. Um, you might have invested, not all these are health things, but in a piano teacher, a voice coach, a gymnastics coach, a taekwondo membership, and you've gotten better results to the extent that you invest time and effort and focus on those things. My hope for you is that when you are investing, when you look back on your investments, you are so glad you did. You're like, my life has changed because I made that investment. And in the meantime, it can be painful. It can be sad. It can be disheartening. Like, how did my body get so broken? I really felt that way when I I saw my chiropractor because I was a pretty proud person. Like, hey, I'm a gymnast. I have all this history of running a half marathon and stuff. Like, how did I get in this much pain and things being this broken? And there wasn't shame, but like, I was discouraged. Like, oh, wow, I have to see the specialist and pulled all this money out of my butt, even though I feel like I did nothing wrong. Um, and I learned that there were things I was doing that did lead to that point. And some of it was like a couple accidents I had in gymnastics, coincidentally, where I literally fell on my head. And no one thought of being like, hmm, maybe you should check that out. Like, And then a couple things is like basically how much I read (laughs) and how I read as a kid and like cranked my head up and really injured some things. Um, And so I did learn that, oh, I, I did do some things not not quite the best. And also my my GI problems probably started when I went to India. That wasn't bad that I went to India, but it did impact my life. And so when people come to me and they're like, but I'm doing everything healthy and I'm a generally healthy person, I'm like, that doesn't mean that you maybe you accidentally did something you weren't aware was causing an effect or that something happened to you that, I mean, I didn't want to fall on my head or pick up a parasite, but like you were just doing your life and you were loving life and you ran into something that That impacted you, and maybe you didn't even know it impacted you when it happened. And so how much is your health worth to you? Is there a price limit you would put on your health? And not just like being alive, but like being vibrant, being energetic, being full of life. Is that worth $100 to you, $200? What is the point in which you would stop investing? I personally hope over my lifetime to spend an amazing amount of money on my health, not because... I don't know, I want to be reckless or something, but because I, I kind of put on, I'm like, okay, the amount that I'd be willing to pay on a house, I want to be able to be willing to pay on my my body over a lifetime. Um, that's a, a lot of money. Um, and I'm in a different life stage than I used to be um, where I wasn't able to invest as much, but I had the mentality as I am able to, as certain debts get paid off, as I have an increase in income from my career or my husband's career, as we as we do this stuff, I am mentally preparing that like, yes, a portion of that should go to his health, my health, our children's health both expenses we don't expect as well as expenses we do expect. Whether that's, I expect to be doing lab tests on myself. I love doing lab tests on myself. I get a lot of really good information from them and I can intelligently fix stuff to the point where, as I talked about in episode, oh, what would it have been? Episode 20, I believe. Um, I talked about how my health has changed over time and I'm pregnant. And I think honestly, if I had just started working on my health this year so I could be fertile, which I don't think I'd been over the past few years, it wasn't my main focus, but I don't believe I was fertile over the last few years because I had so much going wrong in my body. I just don't think my body could have handled having a baby. If that was my main focus, a lot of times we have women, you're suddenly, oh, I want to get pregnant. And we haven't paid attention to the fact that our body's been giving us signals up until then of like, hmm, maybe things aren't quite right. 
And so I want to spend, I really want to like aim to not put a limit on how much my body's worth. I want to think about it like a house, $180,000 house, a $300,000 house, like a house and to stay alive and strong for my children, my grandchildren, so I can enjoy life, so I cannot be depressed, so I can be happy and so I can be able to give to others. You can't give out of an empty basket. You have to fill yourself first and Unfortunately, this will not come from insurance. This is why you should invest in your health, all all these things. It's a very hopeful mindset, I personally think, of like, wow, how much could change? And um, if you're, I don't know, another thing that comes to mind, if you're a little skeptical because you're like, I don't know, there's not as much research on all these alternative medicine. I mean, there is research. Um, Some of the reasons there's not as much is because um, you can pour millions of dollars into pharmaceutical research. First off, you should because you can injure people if you don't. Um, Second off, um, you can because you have all this backing of insurance who's going to pay you and you're going to patent your butt off on this new drug and you're going to paid very well for creating a new synthetic material versus something that's more natural. It's like, ooh, needles in your flesh. I mean, that's acupuncture, guys. Or like manual therapy or an herbal supplement. Like it just works. You just have to trust that over time it works. There is good research. It's not maybe as much as all these other pharmaceuticals or surgical things, but does not mean that it's not as quality. Um, So Don't invest in insurance, invest in your body, invest in your future. Take a small step to sign up for a virtual yoga class or buy a set of weights. And if you're really confused about your health, work with a specialist so they can cut through the noise of the blog posts and the books and the diet options and find exactly what your body needs, your body, not somebody else's body that they found for their body. And Find someone who can help you keep on track. That might be the same person you work with. That might be another coach, but do that. It's a new year. I know a lot of us might be thinking about health goals or we might be freaking out about COVID, but really the best way to fight COVID, to have a healthy impact on our future is to have a healthy immune system. If your gut is currently being weighed down by IBS and bloating and all these symptoms you don't know what to do about, your gut is telling you it's not in a good place and 80% of your immune system is in your gut. I don't want to be doomsday, but just to say the best prevention for COVID is just to address the places that we know we're not healthy. Like seek that out, seek it. It takes searching. It's not going to come to you from a Google search necessarily. It can, but like you might have to Google search a couple extra. You might have to ask around. So this is what I do with my clients all the time is I find what they actually need to see progress in their health. So there are three ways to work with me. If you are like, Allison, I'm ready. I want information. I want to to figure out what's going on. I'm ready to invest. Like I want to see a change for my future, for my children, my grandchildren, myself. There are three ways to work with me. One is a health assessment. It's a 60-minute call where we go over intake forms that I've sent you. You can bring me any lab work you have, and we just go over what are my top recommendations of what you can look into next? What is your overall body and your symptoms and your lab tests saying about what might be going on? What are lab tests that maybe you should seek out? Who are practitioners or providers you should try to look into working with? Um, What are supplements that you could try or exercises or or certain, um, sometimes there's like different therapies you can try, um, such as people freak out when I say this, but like coffee enemas, um, which actually helps cleanse your liver. The next step after the health assessment is a customized health plan where I create a six-month plan for you based off of lab testing we do, labs that we choose specifically that will be relevant to getting information for your body, and then we actually know what's going on inside your body. It's incredible. And so then we create a six-month plan. The purpose of the six-month plan is for about three to four months, you go through a healing protocol takes about three to four months on average to get really good healing process going. And think about it like a cast on your like a broken arm or something. You need time. And the bigger the bone, sometimes the longer. But then the last one to two months of the plan is to wean off. So you don't need to be taking a million supplements or doing a million extra things for your health, but you're really reducing then maybe the number of foods you have taken away from your diet. You're actually reintroducing foods and you're taking off supplements and, and making your 
your life simpler. But there's that six month. It's a plan. It has a path to follow. It's gotten people incredible results in my practice, including decreased cravings, weight loss, sleeping through the night, period. This is amazing. Better energy, better focus, better mood. It's been amazing. And then lastly, I do coaching as the next step beyond that. We can do that six-month plan. We can do the lab tests. And then I can meet with you. And we can meet once a month or twice a month. Um, We have those two different options. And say, how are things going? There's accountability, there's problem solving, there's celebration, there's just working through different things, all the things involved with coaching to make sure that you get results because you will get results. And so if you are interested in any of those things, I would love, love, love to talk with you. Um, I have a free 30-minute consultation where we just talk about what's going on in your health, what your goals are, and see if what would be the right fit for you to work with me and if you're the right fit. I will say I have turned people away. I've said, oh, yeah, you've got this other thing going on that um, like Lyme disease. I just don't know as much about it. I actually know some other people who are really good with that and Lyme can often coexist with gut disorders. So if someone knows they have Lyme, I'm like, go see this other friend of mine. They're amazing. Uh, Mold toxicity is something that if they know they have mold toxicity, I'm like, I know someone who's amazing at that. We find it. We work with it. It's amazing. We've seen really good results of getting mold toxicity out of people's bodies so that they, um, mold toxicity can affect your hormone balance. It can affect your gut, can affect your brain health. So your mood, your focus, your memory, you want it all addressed. And so, um, If we talk and I don't think that we're a good fit, I will let you know. And I'll also tell you who I think you should go and see because I like staying well connected (laughs) and I really like people having next steps. So I would love to talk with you. You can go down to the link in the show notes um, to set up that 30-minute consultation, complimentary consultation with me, or you can go to betterbellytherapies.com slash chat. And that is where you can you can just put that into your web browser, betterbellytherapies.com slash chat. And that will also take you to a link where you can set up a time to chat. It is a new year and I am so excited for you. I am excited for me. I'm excited for everything this year has in store because even though COVID might be affecting our lives and it definitely affected 2020, it's going to impact 2021. We still have control. We are not victims. We can still have impact in our neighborhoods, in our bodies, in our families. And I would love to partner with you in that. And honestly, whether that's you just listening to the podcast, engaging with us on Instagram, I love having you here. So if you love this episode or if you've been listening to other episodes and love it, we have so much more coming down the line. We have guest experts on hormones and histamines slash allergies. If you're not familiar with histamines, um, subscribe so you have total access to all of those episodes coming up. And if you love this episode and thought of a friend as you were listening to it, I'd encourage you to take a screenshot right now. Just pull out your phone, take a screenshot and send it to the friend you thought of. Send it to your Facebook community group, whoever it is that needs to hear this or that you thought of as you were listening listening. Um, I cannot think of how many times when I talk to someone, they say, oh, I know someone who needs to talk to you. So send that friend a love note to their guts and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. Also, if you have been enjoying listening to our podcast, it would mean so much if you left a rating and review. Ratings and reviews helps other people so much to be able to find our podcast and get the same information that you are enjoying yourself. It's a way to give back, guys. (laughs) Other ways you can stay in the conversation is by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Better Belly Therapies. I love connecting with people there. Send me a DM. I check my DMs, comment on our Instagram post, share what is most meaningful with you about the most recent episodes in your stories. I would love to be able to chat with you. So in the meantime, remember our favorite quote, miracles are immediate. We love penicillin, but true healing takes time. And guys, I believe that healing is waiting for you in 2021. Have a great year. We'll see you next week. Bye guys.